Hi everyone, I'm Bruce Enns, lead pastor of Forest Grove Community Church, and it's good to worship with you again today. Uh, one of the things that every one of us has experienced in this last number of months is disruption in our lives. And uh, we've had disruptions in our pattern of work, we've had disruptions in our rest, disruptions in how we worship in all kinds of ways, just to name a few. Uh, many of you are working from home and you're figuring out how to make it work in a makeshift office, working around kids or different distractions around the house. Uh, others of you are just thankful that the forced experiment of homeschooling is over and now you're trying to figure out what to do with kids because you can't go very far and it's summer. Um, so I get that. Uh, everybody is experiencing it in different ways. Some of you are more stressed than you've ever been and others of you have had more downtime and alone time than you've ever had before. And that too has its own measure of stress and unsettledness as well. One of the commonalities for every one of us though is this idea of disruption and disorientation. And that's why we're focusing this summer on soul care. I think it's a really timely topic for each one of us because we can't meet together in the ways that we're used to. And so now you're having to take charge of your own spiritual life in ways that maybe you've never had to before. And that's not a bad thing. But how's that going for you? I hope and pray that this summer allows you to grow some patterns and some new disciplines that actually help you to thrive. You know, the word soul is one of those words that might be one of the most important words in Scripture, and yet it's one that we actually don't really understand, or we don't think a lot about in many ways. It's sort of this vague term that we use at different times, but we don't fully appreciate what it all means. Uh, if you think of the, the acronym SOS, or uh, it's, maybe you're familiar with that distress signal, it actually means, means save our souls. Well, what does it mean to save a soul? Or, or maybe if you think about uh, people who are more used to the sea and, and the maritimes and, and the ocean, long ways away from Saskatchewan, I get that. But, but when you talk about a vessel and you talk about how many people are on board, oftentimes the phrase that's used is, well, how many souls are on that vessel? And so we, we think about souls and we talk about souls, but we don't really understand what the word soul means. And so even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, oftentimes that word is essentially synonymous with person. But, but what does soul mean? John Ortberg, in his book called Soul Keeping, uh, he reflects on some thinking around that he has and also his mentor, Dallas Willard. And they give some really helpful insights into this word of soul. And they talk about the fact that we have an inner self and we have an outer self. And, and the outer self is the part of us that, that people see, they hear, they observe, they can make judgments on. And, and so it's the visible self that is visible to the world. But then there's the inner self. It's the part that nobody sees. It's my own secret thoughts. It's my motives. Uh, it's my hopes, my dreams. And, and actually, it's probably the most important part of me. It's the most important part of you. But the inner self is invisible. And so it's really easy to neglect. And eventually, when our inner self and our outer self grows a big enough gap, we start to feel fragmented. And that's why we need to care for our souls and why soul care is so important. So Dallas Willard describes it this way, and I want to show you a diagram that he uses that helps us to understand what the soul is all about. And he talks about three different aspects of the soul. And the first one, the central aspect, is the will. And the will is the place where we actually get to make decisions. We get to uh, say yes or no to things. And then there's the mind, and the mind is the, the part of us that is conscious of things, our thoughts and our emotions. And then there's our body, and our body is our own little kingdom. It's where our will gets its own little kingdom to be in charge, and we actually can choose 
things and say yes or no to things. And the soul, as Willer describes, is that outer ring, that outside part that actually integrates all three of these other areas of our lives into a single whole life. And he describes it, it's like the operating system of a computer that's running your life at any given moment. Dallas Willard says this, he says, The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human beings. And here's the thing, if your soul is healthy, there's absolutely no external circumstances that can destroy your life. And that's a powerful thing, and a good reason why we need to have integrity in our souls, because when we have integrity, it means that our souls are integrated. And we integrate our will, our mind, and our bodies. And so soul care is about living in a way that integrates all these areas of our lives. When we don't pay attention to this integration idea in our lives, then we start to experience disintegration. And we can experience that whether we're a pastor, a business owner, a retired teacher, or whatever the case may be. And so this is soul care, of actually caring for the integration of our lives. So one of the important parts of soul care is this pattern of actually living our lives in a way that integrates these things into our lives. And you might call them disciplines, you might call them patterns, you might call them a rule of life. Uh, but whatever they are, they provide a structure for growth. They're like a trellis. And the point of any rule of life or the point of any discipline is not the rule itself or the discipline itself. The point of that is actually to encounter Jesus and to encounter the life-changing and transforming power of Christ. And so when we focus on the discipline, we just it leads to legalism and we lose sight of that. When we focus through the discipline, though, towards Jesus, it actually leads to freedom and it leads to transformation. And so we want to focus on this kind of freedom and transformation through these disciplines. This week we want to focus on Sabbath. And Sabbath is one of those disciplines or trellises in our lives that God has intended to give us life. And we see the idea of Sabbath and the principle of Sabbath right back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, where God is at work in creation. And it talks about how he created the world, and then on the last day it says that he rested. And it's a pattern for us to follow. And God has created us that way. He's wired us to need rest. We need daily rest. Uh, each and every day we need to go to sleep and rest our bodies. In Exodus chapter 20, we see in verses 8 to 11, in the, in the Ten Commandments, we see that the Sabbath... The principle of the Sabbath, the command of the Sabbath, is actually given there in these Ten Commandments. The first three commandments you might think about as, as relating to us and God. They're a horizontal relationship. The last six commandments really are, are about our horizontal relationship with other people. And the fourth commandment is about the Sabbath. And in many ways, it integrates the horizontal uh, together with the vertical. And so it bridges the two together. And so in verse 8 to 10, it says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So the Sabbath is about connecting our vertical and horizontal relationships between us and God in a way that renews our faith and allows us to take time to focus on God and other people. In the Old Testament, we see many passages that reflect this idea of the Sabbath. In Isaiah 58, it says this, Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. Speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything that you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. And so we see here in this passage, it talks about having an other person focus, 
more of that horizontal focus towards others. So we see this command in various places in the Old Testament. We also see it affirmed in the New Testament in many places as well. But in the New Testament, there's a number of places that point to the freedom that we have in keeping the Sabbath and how we do that. In Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, it's Jesus speaking, and he's just uh, done something that offended the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law. They couldn't believe that he was breaking the Sabbath. And he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus seemed to always break their sacred Sabbath laws. It was like he was pointing to a whole new era, a, a new covenant, a new kingdom kind of principle. Paul picks up on this theme, and we see that in Romans 14, verse 5. He says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And so for some people, the Sabbath is about a structure that includes a day that goes from Saturday evening to Sunday evening. For others, it includes things like shutting off your technology for 24 hours or for a period of time every week. For others, it's intentionally doing hobbies or getting outside or spending time with people or just engaging God in creation. Uh, for Lisa, my wife, one of the things that's important for her in Sabbath rest is to have a plan. If there's no plan, there's no rest. And so first of all, you have to plan in order to have appropriate rest. So I don't know what it is for you, but, but two primary things that will keep you from Sabbath are busyness and legalism. You know, Sabbath seems to be one of the disciplines that we turn into legalism more than almost any other of the disciplines. We make it about when we need to stop and we make it about what we can do and what we can't do uh, rather than the freedom that we have in Christ that allows us to personalize our Sabbath patterns and our Sabbath rhythms in a way that, that give us new life and refresh us and connect us to God and to others. You know, in the study guide that's included for this week, I've included definitions of the Sabbath from a number of other people, but here's how I define it. My definition of the Sabbath is simply this. Sabbath is about intentional rhythms of work and rest in order to be renewed in God. Intentional rhythms of work and rest in order to be renewed by God. And so really, if you think about that, the starting point of Sabbath is actually having a healthy and appropriate theology of work. Uh, Work is a gift from God. Work is there before the fall, as we look at the creation story. It was there for Adam and Eve. They were given commands to work and opportunities to work and given value in terms of the work that they did. And so we need to have an appreciation of God's gift of work to us before we can even have an appreciation of rest. And so those two go together. And so Sabbath that is life-giving and that is God-honoring comes out of a context of hard work and a meaningful contribution to whatever it is that God has called you to put your hand to at this point in your life. Matt Candless is a pastor and He said this, Sabbath is not a reward for finished work, but saves you from unfinished work. Because you see, the reality is that our work is never finished. We inherently know that. Our work is never done. There's always more you can do. And so Sabbath is a way of actually saving us from that. And so God designed us for both work and rest. And it's important that we give both the honor that is needed. We need daily rhythms, and we also need weekly rhythms. And that's what Sabbath is about, a weekly rhythm that helps us to break from our usual work and to connect with God and to connect with others in a meaningful way. So God is inviting you to honor the divine design for your life by living in sync with the gift of Sabbath, by ceasing from what is necessary and actually embracing what gives life. And so I think one of the things that God wants maybe most from us when it comes to Sabbath is our attention.
is just to pay attention, just to be aware of God, to be wholly present in the moment. And I'd encourage you this week and throughout this summer to experiment, to try things. I'd encourage you to read and even talk to others about how it is that they practice the Sabbath and just experiment in ways that give you life in a new way. And that you too would be able to find life-giving rhythms of work and rest that will help integrate your life and also that will help care for your soul. I want to encourage you to join me on Wednesday night this week to join the the Zoom call. I'm going to share a little bit more of my own struggles in this area and also some of my own uh, patterns and uh, also just to encourage one another and hopefully to encourage you in ways that the Sabbath can be part of your life this summer and throughout your life. Before Lisa sings and she leads us in worship and I would invite you to join in as she sings about God being with us, I want to just pray for us. So Lord, I just thank you so much that you are a God who is with us, a God who invites us to enjoy your presence and to be keenly aware of your Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us in this discipline of Sabbath, Sabbath, that it would be a a trellis for us, that it would be something that would cause us to grow and be transformed more and more into your image, that it would give us rest and help us to see you and to see others. And so God, help us to know your presence with us each day, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Oh, you come to bring peace, to be loved, to be nearer to us. Oh, you come to bring life.